Hello, hello. Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monisa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 17 through 22 of The Dark Prophecy. This week, we have a guest, our first guest for Trials of Apollo, because we finally were like, we need to schedule some guests out for this. Yeah. Do you like to introduce yourself, Phoebe? Um, hi, I'm Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you want to know? I'm <laughs> well, you have, tell us about your podcast first. Sure. Um, so I, I am the co-host of another Percy Jackson podcast, um, analysis podcast called Monster Donut, um, which I host with my friend Emily, who's a classic scholar. Um, and I am the dramaturg and story consultant half of that, which is basically a fancy way of saying that I'm like a book editor, but for theater and TV scripts. That's um, so cool. So we come at it from that angle. Um, nice. Yeah, and I'm also a, I'm a massive Charles of Apollo fan, and I've been dying to get there, like, this entire time. <laughs> um, That's so, so great. I feel like a lot of people haven't read the Trials of Apollo, and so I yeah, am excited like to have people. I'm, one of its ten fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it, they're fun. I think they're fun. I think people just, like, you know, it's a lot. you got to get through Heroes of Olympus to get to Trials of Apollo. It's a lot of homework. Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, I have a lot of critiques because that's fun, but I do enjoy his style and his voice, and it is a lot funnier than the Heroes of Olympus, which I enjoy. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I know you have a, a Percy Jackson or Ryordan verse podcast, but I think just like briefly, you can tell us and the listeners like what your your relationship is with Percy Jackson or how you got into it, et cetera. Sure. Um, so I first started reading the books in 2006 um, when <laughs> my sister brought The Lightning Thief home as her summer reading, um, and she hated it. Like, <gasps> she literally, our original copy of the book is just a stack of pages in a Ziploc bag now because she would finish reading a page and then turn the page so aggressively that it would rip out of the Oh my book. god. Um, and she loved the series now, but at the time... <laughs> like, I need she, to like, psychoanalyze her. <laughs> well, she really struggled this... with reading as a kid, just like um, in general. Mm. So she just mm -hmm. like tore it to pieces. And I was like, what is this book that she's reading that she hates it so much? So did um, you like collect the scraps of paper and like read them as they <laughs> fell behind her, like following her around? <laughs> I mean, they were just sitting kind of tucked inside the book. So you could see like how far into the book she was. It was basically like a, a bookmark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, you finish a page, you tear it out, and then you know exactly where in the book you are. Um, <laughs> so That is an incredibly... Yeah. Chaotic. That's like chaotic evil. It's just tearing <laughs> the books pages as you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll let her know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I one morning just decided to figure out what this book was that she hated so much. And I read it all in one sitting and then uh, the rest is history, I guess. But I've, I've been like reading the books sort of since then, but I'd say part of like the online fandom since like 2000 nine-ish 
You are so good with dates. I could not tell you what year I'm in now and what year those books came out. So I'm like trying to remember what age. I do it based on which uh, book came out at, at that time. So like I know what book I joined during or was in the fandom for. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. I just kind of winged it. It's because I, I wasn't, I'm not as online as I like to think I am. And that's hurt me. I don't know <laughs> dates anymore. Well, Phoebe, we do this really fun thing um, where we have a godly parent that we choose. And so we don't have really strict, <laughs> we don't have super strict rules for it. Because um, uh, I chose Daughter of Persephone and that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Even, I mean, I still think it applies to me, but I'm also not sure. But do you have a godly parent you identify with? Um, not a solid one. Um, right now, I go with Hades, but like I'm probably just Ooh. like unclaimed. If I haven't figured it out at this point, like almost twenty years after starting the books, like I'm probably just sitting in the Hermes cabin. <laughs> yeah, don't you love how I explained here? Like we do godly parents here, as if the, we have this. Nobody else has done. No it one before. else really does. Yeah, that, it's you're actually right. a new experience. I meant to say we do. You can choose anybody. Some of our listeners have sent like some really interesting ones. Like I'm like you know child of human, and I'm like that's amazing. Or like the mortal love child between like Achilles and they said someone else. Um, like Demeter. It was it was an odd combination. So you can do whatever you want. There are no real mm. rules here. <laughs> I know you wanted to be specifically, you asked for chapter 19. Tell us a little bit about like what brings you to uh, to this chunk of chapters. I mean, we kind of are like, this is the chunk we're doing 19 in, so you don't know. Yeah. But like what, um, what made you want to talk about these chapters? Um, I'll be honest, it's I just love a good lovers to enemies. <laughs> Enemies Hell to lovers yeah. is over. It's time we appreciate the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic breakups only. Yes. It's like my favorite type of tragedy is when people who like once kept each other so close are now on opposite sides and trying to kill each other. Um, <laughs> and like I literally didn't Ooh. remember anything else from these chapters when we read them. So that was literally it. <laughs> it's like the reverse, like Adora Catra. They actually start as lovers and then <laughs> hate each other at the end. So yeah. do they become yeah. friends at the end end, though? Because it's like friends to lovers to enemies. Oh, you're right. Never mind. I'm wrong. That's a bad an um, analogy. <laughs> I feel like that would be like the answer to your tragedy would actually make it, would it be more bittersweet or night like better if it's like lovers to enemies to friends? Or is that just life? I don't know. <laughs> Subverting all the tropes. Yeah. <laughs> have to insert them all anyway um so what we're talking about um in these chunks of chapters basically um we're going to get a little bit more backstory on is it commodus commodus what do you what did you call him that was like very eloquent oh i said commodus might not be right but <laughs> we've been calling commodus because like the commode the toilet but sure who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I think we just, if you just say it with confidence, then it works. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. You could call him like Commutus. He's a communist. He's a communist. <laughs> He's not. We know he He's really him. not. Yeah. He's so not. It's like the opposite. <laughs> so we're going to get a little bit more backstory on Commodus and um, Apollo's relationship 
and we're going to get a bit closer to the throne room. Is he somehow connected to the Komodo dragon? (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to dignify it. Yeah, we're not going to dignify with that answer. So, Aaron, why don't you start us off? (laughs) I would love to. I would love to. Alrighty, I've got chapters 17 through 19. So I got chapter 17. To the way station, Meg McCaffrey eats my bread. I cry godly tears. It's actually one of the better ones, I think. (laughs) Give a little review of every single one. So those griffins that they found, who I don't know if we discussed their names in the last bit, but they have names. It's Heloise and Abelard. Abelard? Awful name. Really bad names. (laughs) Heloise is not that bad. Abelard is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to all the Abelards out there. (laughs) All of our listeners. I assume they must be a reference to something that I'm not getting. Right? It's got to be some like ancient figures or Rick just keyboard smashed. A French philosopher. Oh, Abelard and Heloise are French nuns. (laughs) (laughs) wait what but that doesn't make sense because she's pregnant they can't be nuns okay the phrase abelard eloise uh, generally refers to the famous 12th century parisian love affair between peter abelard and eloise so she was a nun (gasps) and he was not obviously wow yeah so these are these are griffins joe and uh, Emmy for leaving Ooh. the order and after falling in love. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. You've already brought so much to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to be like a scandal among the Griffins. That's so good. That's why they love so Joe and Emmy. The power of love. So those two Griffins fly them back to the way station and are greeted by Joe and Emmy, their parallels. And Calypso then passes out from potentially they thought she might have or Apollo thinks she might have used some magic back out of the zoo, at the zoo when she like broke the net open and flew them out. I kind of think we glossed over that when we read these last time. <laughs> or I was like really tired and not listening to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never happens. Oh, Never. Never. So while the others tend to Calypso, Apollo is left alone with Meg to have a little chat. He thanks her for rescuing him, which she bristles at and claims she didn't do it for him and instead did it because she doesn't like Lydiaerses. We all know that deep down, though, that Meg does care for Apollo, and I love that. And Apollo decides to try and get in touch with his feelings and tell her that he doesn't blame her for anything that happened at the Grove and that he's sorry for what she's been through. But she just is like, stop, stop talking about this. And then he gets her to at least agree to work together. Before I do the rest, I have a note, which is that someone messaged me on Instagram because you kept calling it the Grove of Donda, Monica. Mm-hmm. And someone said, it should be the Grove of Donna, and they only sing Mamma Mia songs. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought that was brilliant. I don't remember who messaged that to me, but shout out to them. Do you think people would go crazy? 12 hours of nonstop Mamma Mia songs? Or in Mamma Mia, here we go again. We can add some variety. Yeah, I actually think I'd be a better person after that. 
<laughs> Actually, it's very therapeutic for me. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. Can we just... I am, I've been reading uh, Abelard and Eloise's uh, complicated relationship. He oh, was so like, now you weren't listening <laughs> to me. <laughs> I was. I promise. Um, but so there's like obviously pro- like it's beautiful love affair, blah, blah, blah. But he was like a lot older than her. Like he. Of course. He's 22 years older than her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was what it was the man. It's always the man. Anyway, um, he moves in with her and her uncle and then they end up. She ends up getting pregnant, much like the Griffin. Like the Griffin is pregnant, and they get married, and then she has to go stay with some nuns, and then, um, he gets attacked and castrated. Oh, <laughs> and then he becomes a monk, and he tells her to become a nun. <laughs> so then they write letters to each other. I'm so sorry. We're off track. Is this, this like is a well story? Like, why is, <laughs> is why is he pulling from this? It's like this is the most famous love story. That's how it introduced. Like, is the it famous couple? I've never heard of these two. <laughs> Rick wrote this article. He's just like, really into this couple. I mean, if some man that I invited to my house who was my age ended up impregnating my young niece, I think I would also lose my mind a little bit. But it's a regular Leonardo DiCaprio. John mm-hmm. Mayer. Mm-hmm. John Mayer's been making mm-hmm. the rounds lately. I feel like he's been trying to make himself look good because Taylor Swift is going to come out with Speak oh. Now soon. I was like yeah. making the rounds. I was like, with what teenagers that you know, know of? I keep, people I know went to his concert and I was like, hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Apollo is then summoned to talk to Bright Omardis, that net lady, again. The net lady doesn't bother to thank Apollo for saving the Griffins, which, like, he's kind of bitter about, but, like, he's the same way because he was also a god, so I feel like he's getting a taste of his own medicine. And we learn from her that she was the one who jump-started Calypso's power by helping her blast the net away, because, like, nets are her thing. She was like, this is my one thing I can do. <laughs> she was really excited. To reward Apollo for getting the griffin, she says she'll give him information that will lead him directly to the emperor. All right, chapter 18. My dear Commodus, Commode is named after you. Hail Toilet Caesar. So they're finally bringing up the toilet thing. I know. When we recorded last week, you were mad that they weren't mentioning it. It's a missed joke, an opportunity. I'm glad that they rectified that. Yeah. Yeah. So Bright Amartis tells Apollo that the main gates to the Emperor's Palace are under the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, which is apparently the biggest monument in the city of Indianapolis. It is heavily guarded and full of traps, and she says it should be avoided at all costs. If they want to get into the palace, Bridal Martis suggests using the waterworks, which is the plumbing system, which I need to name. Phoebe, I'm sorry to subject subject you to this, but we've mentioned on our podcast a few times this story that me and Monica wrote when we were in middle and high school, and we constantly yes. made... <laughs> yes. Oh, good, good. We would Same. always make the characters sneak into things in the sewers. <laughs> it was like the only way they got anywhere. They would just be in the sewers. 
That's when you know it's lazy writing and that we didn't really think about, like, how do they get in and out of this? Like, we just wanted them to be in the thick of it. We didn't really want them to have to travel anywhere. And so we just made the most ridiculous. So the amount of times they just plunged into feces is insane. But that's all I can think about in this in this part. I can also think about the time Manasa in one of her chapters wrote you that the way the way that they got into the sewers was <laughs> a character used a gun to dig a hole, like shot at the dirt until a hole opened. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't think of it at, at, until, like, uh, Aaron's partner was reading over it or, like, listening to us talk about it and was like, did she just say she dug with guns? Anyway, um, I, I'm not a writer. Aaron's the writer, so we know why that happened. Oh, Allegedly. I think this sounds kind of genius. <laughs> oh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. And then when it, it should have been funny if they showed up on ground and then they realized they had no ammunition but uh, to fight. <laughs> but... No, it no. doesn't happen. Mm. But um, Rick stole from our genius in this crazy part. second time that he's done this. So mm. just get I need credit. to get some royalty checks. <laughs> <laughs> so to access the waterworks, they have to search the city's canal walk. Meg, Leo, and Apollo will go since the Emperor wants Meg and Apollo and Leo's there to be like the tech guy and help disarm any traps. Meg also takes this time to mention the Emperor's name, which is Commodus, and none of the others have said it at this point. Like, Leo and Leo didn't even know. He's, he's really out of the loop, and he's like, Commodus? Isn't that a toilet? And then Meg just screams the name over and over again when they tell her not to say it because names have power, which I really loved. I love Meg. I feel like I'm constantly like, why don't they just say the name? Yeah, I don't mm. get the names have power thing. Isn't the yeah. idea that you don't say the name giving it more power? I'd agree with that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, like, all this fear around, like, it's the... Isn't the idea that, like, the monster will know where you are if you say their name? But it's, like, we learn later in these chapters that Commodus clearly already knows where they are. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Also, yeah, if he, like, but... had found them earlier, then maybe, but... Mm. Yeah, Meg is yeah. clearly, like, I, I've i read the Percy Jackson books, and saying the name does literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meg's like, we can get away with this, it's fine. <laughs> but the only thing that it does do is that it puts Apollo into a memory trance, because he remembers, like, the last time he heard that name yelled over and over again. Alrighty, chapter 19. Call me Narcissus. Today I'll be your trainer. I'll also kill you. I know this is the chapter you were excited about, Phoebe, and it is... I forgot. This is so good, like, this memory. <laughs> I was really invested in it. Yeah, one of, like, two chapters I always think of when I think of this book, so... Yeah, it's really, like, vivid um, with the memory... Yeah, I think it's one of the things I remember, too, is, like, his relationship with Commodus from this book. And then the way station were, like, the two main things that stood out in my mind. So Apollo finds himself in a memory of the day that he committed murder. And he does mention, which I thought was funny, that he's like, you might be thinking that I have committed lots of murder because I'm the god of plagues and, you know, I shoot evil death arrows but he says he doesn't consider that murder oh. so this is his first murder this is baby's first murder 
Yeah, he's like, a plague doesn't count. It was just also, me being me. That explains all of, like, the really problematic, like, raping and assaulting that he's probably done. He probably doesn't consider that to be assault. Mm. That's the loophole. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a children's book, so <laughs> he can't too. bring it up. <laughs> it's wild because Commodus isn't even until, like, the second century um, <laughs> AD, and, like, it's been a long time that he's been around it. This is his first murder. <laughs> yeah, like, he definitely did other... Didn't he... Wasn't Apollo involved in, like, Achilles' death? Is that right? Yeah, he Could ends be. up oh, aiming the arrow, arrow. yeah. He yeah, didn't he guide yeah. the arrow or something? Well, that's how he gets out of it. Even when he talks about, like, uh, Hyacinthus and stuff, he's like, well, it happened because, like, it his fault, quote-unquote, but it's not his murder. Yeah. So he's fine. So this, I guess this, this is, is like, first. the first time he felt guilty for it. Because hmm. he's definitely murdered. But we can ignore that, I guess. We find Apollo is disguised as Narcissus, who is Commodus's trusted personal trainer. And I was like, if you know what I mean, wink, mm-hmm. wink. Which I actually Googled. There was, he was a wrestler. If you look up Narcissus, the wrestler, that's what comes up on Wikipedia. So I'm sure it was he interesting. wrestled a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Commodus has become much more insane than the last time we saw him in the flashback and is planning to murder a ton of people the next day. And he also keeps killing ostriches, which is really sad because we talked about in our last episode that ostriches don't have teeth. <laughs> but they're not very violent. <laughs> they're very, the aren't main... they violent? There's no, like a whole they were war on emus. No, that was the emus. The ostriches are separate. Remember, they don't attack unless provoked. And emus attack only when provoked? I don't know. I didn't look up emus. I only went to ostrichbirdfact.com for ostriches. But emus also don't have teeth. So, but they're equally or more violent is what you claim. So they deserve Mm. the murder? Is that what you're trying to push? Trying to push the death of emus? I'm (laughs) anti-emu. Yeah, thank you. I'm a witness. I'm going to get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) The emu protection community is coming for you. (laughs) Also, are we shocked that the guy who wanted to put ostriches in, like, fighting armor, battle gear, is crazy? (laughs) Are we surprised? There were a lot of red flags with this man. He didn't even sound that hot because he was described wearing lion print underwear or bathing suit or whatever but apollo is just weak he's so weak for this man (laughs) so apollo in his disguise walks into the emperor's chambers and finds him with wild eyes and vomit and blood spattered all over his tunic due to his mistress poisoning him his wine at lunch but it didn't work because i guess he's just like super strong and resistant to poison He's angered, knowing that they all plotted to kill him, and Apollo feels really sad when he looks at him, because he's like, I had hope for you. He tries to reason with Commodus, who is hell-bent on murdering basically everyone, and fails to reason with him, obviously, so offers to draw him a bath. He stares at Commodus in his bath, looking peaceful with his eyes closed for a moment, and then he strangles him to death. 
And to hold him under, he has to drop his disguise and use his godly power. And Commodus, when he realizes that it was Apollo the whole time and not his wrestler Narcissus, is really mad. Because Apollo was the one who blessed him and kind of made him into who he is, yet is also the one that brought about his end. Which is very dark. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the last part of the chapter, honestly, is not that... Like, they flash back to the present, Apollo's throwing up... Agamethus is there and gives him a message that says we cannot remain on the magic eight ball, but then walks away and they don't, I mean, obviously we learn more about what that means later, but we don't really know what he's talking about. And then Joe finds him and they have a heart to heart where Joe is like, I did bad things too. I was, I was in a gang and it's really quite random. I think the (laughs) the first part of the chapter is like much more memorable. Um, Yeah. But Apollo's reminded that um, even if you do bad things, there are still people worth fighting for, which is sweet. <laughs> okay, so since we were talking about um, like lovers to enemies trope, what about like Julius Caesar? Because that's kind of what this reminded me of. Ooh. Interesting. That is not what I was thinking of. But you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone should yeah. rewrite Caesar like the play i've never read it (laughs) okay (laughs) i would have to read it and that was a different ap lit class but someone should rewrite it with them as lovers to enemies i'm sure that's been done someone must have done that it's definitely on archive of our own (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um yeah i i just i have so much to say about that flashback because it's just so like, I, so many of the stories that Rick incorporates from Apollo's past are just, like, total tragedy. Um, mm. Like, uh, Hyacinthus and Daphne in the Hidden Oracle and um, uh, Agamedes and mm-hmm. Scribonius, um in this book. But where uh, Hyacinthus and... Daphne are both like solidly in Apollo's past in this book he has to confront all that tragedy um all of which he caused (laughs) um but this one with Commodus is like especially fun for me because it I feel like it sort of grounds Commodus in a way that we don't really do with like at least Nero at this point like we see through these flashbacks that he was once someone who could be loved who was a person who like who was a person before he was a symbol of like megalomania and cruelty and who was like betrayed in his final moments by literally everyone around him, including mm. someone who he thought he had like the everlasting blessing of. Um, so Ooh. he gets this sort of like tragedy built up around him. And then you get Apollo looking back on it and like seeing so much of himself in Commodus, especially when he was younger. And then we watch Apollo kill this person who symbolizes like not just that crazed ancient emperor idea but that idea of who Apollo was and still is in some ways and now he's like back and we're repeating like the same situation that led Apollo to kill him in the first place in this series where he's like sort of struggling against his former self Um, but now with all this guilt and betrayal like mixed up in it and it's just like written specifically for me Um, (laughs) thank you for listening (laughs) that was such a good analysis I love the idea of (laughs) Well, also the idea of, like, you get this, like, absolute betrayal and then they die. Like, they don't get to come, come back as a ghost or come back and get their moment of revenge. But in this story, he does. 
and you're mm-hmm. still rooting against him, which mm-hmm. is an interesting character arc, I think. So, so you're totally right. This is the first time, like, we've seen a lot of backstory of Apollo, but this is the first time where he feels like he sees it as his fault and his, like, well, like, he sees the other ones as his fault, but he doesn't reflect on it as much in the same way of this one. You said it so much better than I did. I just, like, no. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong about this because I haven't reread The Hidden Oracle um, before this, but I feel like in this book, his memories affect him so much more physically and like mortally, mm-hmm. like it's like an illness at this point, like um, where like, I, I, I just enjoy the fact that these moments where he's remembering uh, his former glory like he's made his most mortal when he's imagining himself at his at the height of his immortality it makes him like sick and withered it's just a neat um i don't know i I just i have a lot of big feelings about uh specifically this scene (laughs) it's so good yeah i like the thought like with the other stories that are like tragedies in particular like I think I'm thinking at least of like Daphne's like he feels really guilty, but he doesn't fully like he blames, you know, um, what's his face? Cupid like shot them with arrows like he tries to absolve himself a little bit of the blame. So it's more like it sucks that this happened to both of us. And like he acknowledges the part he played, but like this one, he's very much like, oops, like this was my fault. I created this. And then he killed it. But it's interesting because when he's um, a god and is killing Commodus, I don't know that he really saw much of him. Like, he was like, I'm doing the right thing. I don't know that he saw much of himself in Commodus, but it feels like now he's seeing that he has also been that kind of, like, self-centered, evil ruler god person because now he's stuck Mm -hmm. as a mortal reflecting on this. I think even Leo in a in a chapter that follows this one points out how similar they are. I can't remember the exact lines mm-hmm. that he says, but I know that Leo says them. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does. Go yeah. off, Leo. Go yeah. off. Um, it's funny because like I feel like these chapters or this chapter in specific like is so rich in just analysis and just like it's one of the better written chapters, and then we kind of go into an interesting. <laughs> quest that they go on which is it wasn't my favorite to read um but it was almost like sweetened by the fact that at least in this book compared to the last book the villain of this book is so much more interesting because it's complicated i love a complicated villain whereas nero is like he's a bad guy and that's like that's that's that and he's like like comically a bad guy he wears awful clothing he's like super <laughs> problematic in everything he does he's also like very mean to meg and he's Mm -hmm. clearly abusing her so it's like no contest of this guy should die but i also Mm -hmm. liked um reading apollo's reasoning for killing uh, commodus too he was like if i don't kill him a lot of my priests will die and my priestess and my temples and like things that are important to him Mm -hmm. so he that's how he like talks himself into doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a very yeah. selfish, like, if I don't do it, someone else will, so it might as well be me. Because mm-hmm. um, he'd rather he get to do this. He wants to do the murder. But yeah, when he, and now that he's reflecting it, like, that's why it's making him physically ill, because he's, like, feeling guilty just for, like, do it for causing all of this death as opposed to as a god he was like oh no my temples and my priests will get hurt mm. yeah. so rich so good i don't yeah. want to ruin the richness but i do need to bring up that leo calls <laughs> calypso mamacita <laughs> i'm so glad that you brought it up because at the moment i read it i was like oh, physically ill yeah the <laughs> ick yeah that's, I think, why people don't like Leo anymore after this book. I feel like it's his dialogue. Because when we're, like, summarizing it, if I ignore the things, like, the words he uses, he's not being that bad. I don't, I feel like I, the internet made me think he was, like, a misogynistic abuser in this. And he just has some choice language. And it's all Rick's fault for trying to write his, a Hispanic boy as a white man. <laughs> It's like the fact that he's calling her Mamacita while she's like clearly not okay. Like she, I was like, what? You're basically just calling her mommy. Like he's going around calling his girlfriend mommy in public. Like, like, like while she's that. dying, yeah. While she's dying. I think that's why Calypso passed out here. She would have been fine, but Leo mm. said that and she was like, no, I'm out. I'm sorry. She's yeah. like, I actually would not like to be revived anymore. Thank you <laughs> so much. Like, I want to go back to my island. <laughs> Man, can you imagine the guy that you've been, like, dreaming of? You finally get off your island and he calls you Mamacita. You just have the most, like, the ick, most ick-inducing dialogue. He's Mm -hmm. fine. Some of the things he says is so funny. And, like, a lot of his characterization I really love. And especially in, like, Heroes of Olympus, I really liked him. And then in this one, I'm just kind of like, oh, no. Like, it's like someone who only learned to speak via the internet and Duolingo is like speaking <laughs> now. So when you took like Spanish one, yeah, that's how it feels. I'm like Rick, you don't know Spanish. I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. But if he does, he doesn't. He's not using it well. I personally think he's going off of anything he heard while he was living in Texas. Like those um. are the words that he heard around, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, implanting them and just making us all like violently ill. Yeah. Phoebe, what are your thoughts on Leo? I know Leo's like controversial apparently. Oh, yeah. Um I will say I'm not his biggest fan. Uh-huh. But it's mainly because I feel like he is like missed potential incarnate. Mm. Like I I think that yeah. there's so much interesting about him and he's like he could be such a cool character, but he just kind of falls apart um uh, yeah. the longer Rick writes him. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think I liked him better in the first bit of here's of like the longer yeah you're right the longer rick writes him the more it feels like he's like going back in character development hmm. yeah which i feel like is actually part of his character development in uh the heroes of olympus like him getting worse <laughs> um not like i how do i explain this <laughs> it's like he goes from being like reasonably okay and then it the more he hangs out with this group of people who are all mm. like coupled together and like he the more he feels left out of it and alone and so that development is like interesting to watch but then the way that it's resolved with like calypso 
just kind of being thrown at him and now he's just sort of stuck in that place that he was in in the middle of his like getting worse character development <laughs> yeah like he needs a um, chance to like you know get some confidence love himself outside yeah. of it get some good platonic yeah. he relationships to go a solo trip like work on himself <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe travel europe by himself <laughs> he needs to go he stay does. at hostels <laughs> go to greece yeah <laughs> not to <laughs> kill uh gaia <laughs> for a vacation yeah yeah yes <laughs> yeah okay. are you done okay cool cool <laughs> yeah so i'm done I, i'm good okay i have i have chapters 20 through 22 so chapter 20 pedaling style like iron are fashionable cue the screaming god um so the group kind of spends their afternoon doing various activities at the way station um Apollo's trying to heal himself after he's got his little vomit session, and he does note that he doesn't see Meg during this time. Uh, she's the only one who's disappeared from the whole area, hiding somewhere. But he goes to sleep well, and he doesn't have any dreams, and we're not cursed with any dreams to have to <laughs> recap. Before the group leaves, Joe pulls Apollo aside and gives him an iron shackle. It's actually a tracking device. It's similar to Hermes' flying shoes that we saw in PJO in The Lightning Thief, and it will fly and take you to whatever you're tracking. But since there's only one of them, um, Joe didn't have enough time to make two, she wants him to use it more like a homing beacon. And so if he needs any help after they find Georgie, they will send reinforcements if he presses the right button. So the day kind of starts, they take a pedal boat that's like a pirate ship through the canal, Apollo's feeling exhausted since he's wearing the iron shackle on his ankle. He's like, this is not ideal to pedal, especially like one leg is going to become really buff while the other one stays scrawny. You'd think wow. for being like a welder, she would come up with something a little more Come travel friendly yeah also yeah. i mean if if she and leo have been discussing this entire time what the plan might be you would expect that she would know that they were going to do a pedal boat <laughs> that this would like ankle weights aren't the good, best idea but maybe it's on maybe, purpose i think it's on purpose now that I'm, yeah for sure is on purpose mm. um while they pedal, Leo and Meg ask and learn about Apollo's history with Komodo. So basically, they get an Apollo's version of recap of chapter 19 that we dove into. Instead of <laughs> analyzing it, um, Leo calls him Emperor Toilet. And I was really happy because I was, last episode, I was very sad that they missed that. I was like, Percy was here. He would have called him Emperor Toilet so fast. And I'm really glad <laughs> Leo can fill that void for me for now. Mm -hmm. Meg does agree, though, that Komodos is handsome. She says that she met him while he visited Nura once, and Meg tells them that Nura thinks that he's weak. They're trying to figure out why him, of all people, was chosen to be in the third of their little group, because Komodos isn't a super notable emperor, besides being kind of exuberant and costly and then murdered. And Meg says it's the third emperor, the one who's on the west coast, that Nero is really afraid of, and so they need Commodus to be this buffer. And we also don't ever learn who that... I think that emperor will be revealed next book. I really hope it's um, Caesar, because that would make it really fun, like a, another level up of being mass-murdered and betrayed by people that you care about. He's like, we have similar stories, but mine's is more famous. I got a whole play written about I me. I know. <laughs> they call it the Ides of March for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, 
other reasons, but you know. Uh, <laughs> they called it that before. <laughs> <laughs> but now we all make really fun memes about Caesar getting. Yeah. He's also a salad now. Imagine that being your legacy. <laughs> Becoming a salad. I would want to be a salad. As long as he says yummy salad. Sure. <laughs> okay, okay. That was controversial, apparently. <laughs> Just of all the things to one of you. <laughs> a play and a salad? I mean, yeah, I that's not too bad. Good call, At least you're not okay. a toilet. That's true. <laughs> or forgotten. Mm. Mm. Okay, so we also learned that Nero's acting as the beast, you know, acting, quote-unquote, has taken peaches from Meg, saying that she does not deserve to have a pet because she's misbehaved. As they pedal, Meg spots a fin in the water, and they quickly realize a large sea creature is underneath them. Okay, it's chapter 21. Get me a legion and about six tons of rocks need to kill a snake. So they just like, like we're going to ignore this obvious sea serpent that's swimming in the canal with us and continue looking for an entrance. So they find a large golden grate, which very equally signifies that this is the way to enter. When they try to get closer, though, that's when the serpent rises and the boat capsizes. The canal is not deep and everyone is able to stand in the water, but now they're in the water with the creature. Meg's blades don't harm the creature's scales and the creature snaps its teeth at her. Meg manages to get her blades into the one of the serpent's eyes and the creature swings its head back and forth in pain. Leo manages to make it to the grate while the serpent is distracted and starts working on opening it. Apollo tells Meg that this is the Carthagian serpent and it was killed by being crushed to death with thousands of rocks, which is not helpful here. Also, um, so the canal, let's say, the, how tall is an average 12-year-old? I don't. I haven't grown since I was twelve. So like five one. Yeah, five. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's me, me oh my gosh, yeah. short people. Not tall. Uh, five. <laughs> so let's say okay, five, and then head is what like a, a foot. Let's say so four feet. Let's say this canal is about roughly four feet deep. How big can this serpent be? <laughs> to be that. able to like swim and disappear into the water. Is it just really long? Like, maybe it's not... <laughs> like, it's like a spaghetti noodle. It's like... <laughs> it's just, like, it's like, super really, thin and long. Like, wide, but, you know, like, almost like a a, a flounder. Like, Ooh! <laughs> like a really flat... <laughs> <laughs> if that thing, like, rose out of the water like a sea pancake and looked at me, I'd laugh. I would laugh. Yeah. yeah. It sounds kind of cute. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, I guess like four feet girth is pretty, could be oh, so pretty big. Of the girth of the snake. <laughs> could be pretty big. Yeah, right? I guess, yeah. Sorry, I just was thinking that they but were, it has to be able to like maneuver underneath them and around them. So it can't like, be like the whole canal. No, so it has to be less than that. So yeah. that's what I was thinking. I was like, either the snake is like scraping its belly on the ground oh. and not actually having any room to swim or it's just really tiny. Don't seem like good living conditions for it. No, poor snake. I actually want to rehome the snake snake. now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. Let's see. Where was I? I Got distracted. Okay. Meg gets coiled into the snake's tail and is being squeezed to death 
Even though Leo has managed to open the grate, they can't really go without her, so they have to think of something else. Apollo tells Leo to go into the tunnel and yells like at a specific frequency and using what's remaining of like his godly power. He feels it in his stomach. He's like, it's here. I have godly power. He says, be gone, snake. I am Apollo. Oh, okay. It's a thing to scream. It's that high note. <laughs> it's like the right Well, actually, he says he sings it in a, a baritone voice, oh. like in an opera baritone. I want to hear that. It surprised me. <laughs> Be gone. Yeah. And it's at 125 decibels, which oh I like. I looked this up so that I could find like how loud that is, and it's not quite as loud as a gunshot, but enough to oh. cause some ear pain. I found plenty it's of videos of like, people producing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So cool. Okay, that's not. I, mean, I need I to mean... look that up. Let's not play it I've... for <laughs> people's ears. <laughs> No, but everyone should look it up. <laughs> <laughs> listen now for ear damage. <laughs> Free ear damage. <laughs> Title of our podcast. Okay. And <laughs> Brain damage, ear damage. <laughs> it's all it's damage. Free. Um, so the walls of the warehouse were using the baritone and the just the loudness, the walls of the warehouse fall above them and land on the serpent, effectively knocking it out and releasing Meg. Apollo picks Meg up and drags her to the sewer just as they see the serpent rise from under the rocks. All right. Chapter 22. I wax poetic on the beauty of sewers. Real short poem. Not my favorite. These have been better, though. They 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 were pretty atrocious last time. So they walk forever in the freezing sewer waters. Leo lights himself on fire to keep warm and warm everyone else up. They discuss on how Apollo managed to get his voice back, like his godly powers back. Meg thinks it's because he had to save her. Apollo recalls that the last time he got his godly powers back was also when he was trying to save his children. In heroic moments, that's when his power comes back. But luckily, Apollo is not a heroic man, so we can assume that it's not going to come back anytime soon. No. Meg says that she's fine, but Apollo knows that she looks rough and is probably in a lot more pain than she's willing to admit. Leo then randomly kind of hints that Calypso, Emmy, and him talked about future plans. Leo and Calypso's garage. He just like stares at the water and goes, huh, Leo and Calypso's garage. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to explain. And so... After that, they decide they're warm enough and they jump back into the cold water. Leo's still aflame. The current becomes stronger the further they go, making walking even harder. They arrive at a second set of golden bars, gates, which Leo quickly opens. They end up in a channel that is on the other side of the throne room that Apollo is like, he's seen these in his dreams and visions, and they see that Commodus and his guards are sitting right there. Luckily, the emperor doesn't spot the trio and they just kind of keep discussing their plans lydiaris insists that the way station is in the old union station but the area has been searched many times with no success lydiaris asks for two days to scout the way station's defense and prepare to attack it but uh, but commodus wants apollo in chains now and his naming day is set to be tomorrow lydiaris leaves with his men when it's told that there's some kind of incursion at the front gates which Apollo, Leo, and Meg are super confused about. They have no idea who's there, what the incursion might be. Apollo's like, I didn't order this, as if he's in charge. (laughs) So Commodus is left alone in the throne room with his bodyguard. 
So Commodus tells his bodyguard that he wants Lydiaris killed after he deals with the incursion outside. He says that Lydiaris has been on the case for so long, he's been on it for a day, and no <laughs> results has have been provided. He double-checks that his stadium is ready for tomorrow and that the Cave of Prophecy is well-guarded. They then leave to go try on their new outfits, fashion show. <laughs> Apollo and the group pull themselves out of the canal and stand in the now empty throne room. They need to find their captives, the throne of memory, and get back to the way station in time to warn Emmy and Joe that the way station will be attacked. Leo says that they are going to try the Valdez method, which means there are no thoughts, just destruction. And they get ready to blow some things up. Which is, I think is hilarious that Leo's like, my method is that there are no thoughts and no plans. As if the entire last two series wasn't just built on vibes and no plans whatsoever. <laughs> like, that's Percy's whole method. I think Annabeth's the only one who makes plans. Yeah. And, like, Leo, like, had a plan technically at the end of the last book and it involved him dying. So it wasn't a great plan. But <laughs> it was chaotic. a plan, Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do I have to say? Well, I don't have really a lot to say about my chapters. Um, I just have predictions and thoughts about what might happen-ish. Um, well, my one note for these is, like, you know you ran out of ideas when they sneak in via sewer. Like, that's how I... Also, like, getting in to this place and the zoo has been so easy, I feel, like, they just, like, the zoo was a little bit more, at least they were getting attacked by guards, and they were, like, just running around trying to hide. But this one was, like, it was surprisingly easy. So either mm -hmm. it's just a setup, and everyone's been preparing for them, or Komodos just actually really sucks as an emperor and villain. Um, so my predictions. You just have to nod and smile. Can't say... Mm -hmm. Yes or no, unfortunately. But I think that things are going to go poorly for the trio. Um, I think they're going to try to blow things up and they're going to get caught and have like a weird confrontation with Commodus. And I think he's going to be a super lame ex who's like super hyper fixated on Apollo. He's like, you were mean to me when I needed you most and you killed me. And he's going to be really I mean, sad about it. he did kill him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's like, you know, maybe a little more <laughs> did, but... I feel like he's just going to be very lame ex-boyfriend about it. Um, I think the incursion out front, either it's the incursion out front or some point in the next couple chapters, we will see the hunters and or Artemis. Because we've been hinting at it so much with Joe and Emmy and Apollo keeps wishing for it so bad that it has to have, like, I need an Apollo in his mortal being form to interact with Artemis who chooses for some godforsaken reason to be 12 and for them to interact with each other because I think that would be very funny and also really hurt his feelings when Artemis is mean to him. I think it'd be good for Talia too because she had, like, a crush on him as a god. To see him in this form, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Talia. Yeah. I think it helps everybody who might have had a crush on Apollo. Yeah. Yeah. To feel yeah. kind of whiny. I also... I'm confused because I think I got an e I got an email that I can't remember who asked me. They were like, oh, do you think that Apollo's going to stay mortal after this? And he brought that up in... Um, in Aaron, your chapter when he's vomiting in the toilet where he's like, you want me to stay in this weak mortal form? Like, I could never do that. I have to 
become a god again. And now I'm getting worried he might stay immortal, and I can't stand that. I think he needs to come back and be a god. Also, they can't be, like, the end of the children of Apollo. I don't want him to stay mortal and then have, like, a family. Like, he's gotta go... <laughs> he's gotta continue being just like this. Of all gods to have be forced to turn mortal, it should be Zeus. Oh, yeah. So, But also, he would probably be the worst as a mortal. He's gonna be a mortal woman. Yeah. I think that would be his penance for mm. the, the for his crimes against women. Yeah. Yeah. No, he would just end up being a fuckboy as a woman. He'd Probably. Find a way. Yeah. Yeah, he would. Mm. Yeah. Maybe an old man or an old <laughs> He should come back as like a show pony. I don't know, something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to come up with my plan for punishing Zeus. <laughs> yes, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. We'll consult with the council. We'll see what happens. Okay, so yeah. those are my predictions. Unfortunately, you can't really comment on that. Good job. Thank you. So proud. You predicted things. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Definitely predicted. predicted. <laughs> <laughs> Are they correct or not? We'll find out. We don't know, but they're Definitely there. said some words, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we got three lightning bolt questions to ask, and Phoebe, we welcome your answers as well to these, please. (laughs) Um, So the one that I came up with is if you had a household, like, fixture or appliance named after you, like a toilet, what would you, what would you choose? Uh, Toilet? Well, because Commodus is like the commode, the toilet. If you, there was something yeah. called like the Monasa. Mm. <laughs> like a ceiling fan. Oh. But like a cute one. Like a, a, one okay. a good light fixture in the middle that's like warm lighting. Okay. <laughs> oh, like a fancy ceiling fan. Like well, a can nice you turn, fan. turn the Phoebe on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One I mean, cozy a Phoebe doesn't here. sound like a light fixture to me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, a fridge. Oh, open up the monasa. <laughs> open up Some the monasa. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, where's the milk? It's in monasa. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Yeah. The, put the juice back like... in monasa. You left the empty milk. You finished the milk and then put the empty carton back in monasa? Oh, I don't like, maybe the, the is important. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah. I think that's an important, um to include i was thinking like a little kettle like Aww. for hot water when Erin is screaming <laughs> she must be done i could still scream and and forever my legacy could just be screaming <laughs> oh. hmm. and then we got sent this question which i was like it's kind of relevant because they kind of talked about the hunters and being a goddess but nora asked us would you rather be a goddess or a hunter of Artemis? Ooh. My first instinct is goddess, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't like that little clause of, like, you can still be killed with the hunters. <laughs> like, I'm going full right? immortality. <laughs> it's not fair. It's too big of a um, loophole. I know there's, like, this line in these chapters where it's, like, uh, Apollo talking about whether you... how. Uh, they're approaching 
immortality as if you can have either meaning in your life or immortality but like I feel like I'm built different and I couldn't find meaning <laughs> well, those I... don't apply yeah. <laughs> I could be a good god <laughs> yeah I think I'd say goddess too because also like the hunters have more of a job the gods like you get to make your own job like I could be the goddess of like how Apollo's the goddess of like, or the goddess, the god of like five things. He gets to like change it up every once in a while of like, today mm. I'm going to work on my poetry. And today I think it would, I'd get bored hunting. I also don't want to hunt animals. Mm. I don't know that they really hunt animals in this world. They more so hunt like bad Monsters, men. Yeah. yeah. So I originally thought hunters because I oh, thought yeah. it'd be fun to just like, I don't have the responsibility. Like you're not the boss. I don't have to deal with, like, the Olympians and dealing with, like, the rules in that way. But I still get to, like, and I get, like, a cool group of friends I get to hang out with all the time. But then I remember, like, you can't fall in love and you can't have any romantic relationships and you have to, like, be 12. I don't think I'm... (laughs) I don't think I want to be 12. You're really fixated on the 12. <laughs> 12 like, is hard. Being like 12, 13 it's not is not a good age. Hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the horrible, but I've done it once. I don't want to do that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't think I could, I could deal with that. Yeah. Except Joe and Emmy clearly have, are older. Like they. Yeah, because Joe was like. With Al Capone and then a gang, (laughs) and then joined the Hunters. So like she joined older. So I think it kind of feels like the way. And I think if we see the Hunters again ever, we will. I think that Rick kind of writes them differently. Um, the more time he spends writing them than when we first saw them in PJO, and it's Mm. interesting. Well, I'm sure Percy only saw the other 12-year-olds when he was 12, too. Like, he wasn't focusing yeah. on anyone older. Like, if there's, like, a 30-year-old mom in the corner, he's like, whatever. <laughs> You're invisible, you know? Yeah. <laughs> only see the girls my age, which yeah. is good, but... Yeah. Yeah. So maybe... No, I'd still... I think goddess, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. The hunters have been... They're not as appealing as I thought. All mm. right. My question. All right. So would you rather fight, like, a land monster? <laughs> Like, so the serpent, would you rather fight it? It has legs. So Godzilla oh. on land or a water serpent? Water Godzilla. <laughs> water Godzilla, but like no arms and legs, just body. My instinct is land because I'm not good at swimming. <laughs> like I can swim, but I don't think I'd, I don't think I, I think I'd be a little out of sorts. With a sea monster. Yeah. I'm also afraid of fish, so. Fish? I don't like when they swim underneath me. It scares me. I think it depends how deep the water is. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, I can't run. So, like, if it's a land monster, Ooh. I'm, like, dead for sure. But mm-hmm. I was on the swim team, and I was really good at sharks and minnows as a kid. So I think, <laughs> there we I, go. I think I could take it. But if it can swim under me, or if it's, like, really deep, deep and murky and I can lose sight of it like I don't want to get jump scared so I'd rather like mm. have it in my sight on land in that case um yeah if yeah. it's like the four foot canal or whatever you're good yeah, that's what I was thinking <laughs> four foot canal where so if you wanted to run you could in the water which is not advisable but you could also <laughs> rest you won't drown 
But at the same time, I like the idea of like fighting a water serpent thing and then getting out of the water. Mm -hmm. Like finding a way to leave the water. Whereas if it's on land and it's like Godzilla, like how I'm imagining, like imagining something tall, right? There's a, it's a lot farther that he can waddle into the water after me than I can. That's true. So at least this way, like if I'm fighting a sh like for example, a shark, if I'm fighting a shark, I'm going to go onto the land. You know, these are like things I think mm -hmm. about. <laughs> prepare for yeah her. yeah yeah it's gonna happen one day you'll have to fight a shark and you'll yeah. be like i've been waiting and then they'll fight it by simply moving on to land yes sure no one has thought of that before <laughs> why didn't they put that in jaws <laughs> comes on to land after them <laughs> insane shark <sighs> well those are all of our questions. Phoebe, thank you so much for coming on our episode and sharing your great insights. I'm like, I, yeah, I love your perspective on that scene with Apollo. I always really liked that scene, but now I'm like, I feel like I can put into words more why it feels so impactful. But thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Of course. Is Very there fun. anything? Yay, good. Um, is there anything you want to like plug? Where can people find you and check out your podcast? Um, well, you can find me specifically at Dramaturg, spelled D-R-A-W-M-A-T-U-R-G <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and I'm also Fajoko on Instagram and YouTube, spelled P-H-O-J-O-C-O. There's like literally nothing on my YouTube except for a single Percy Jackson writer's room video essay. But like if that's nice. your thing, that's where Ooh. you can find it. That sounds um, great. And uh, you can find links to listen to my podcast, Monster Donut, at PJOPod on Twitter or Instagram. Um, which I, those are, that's also where I post uh, the Percy Jackson fan art that I make every week. Um, if you want to check that out. We're currently mid Heroes of Olympus, although talking about this made me really want to draw things for Trials of Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, I'm excited to see it. And yeah, y'all should definitely check out their art on their, on Monster Donuts page because it's so good. I, yeah, when y'all followed us, I was like, oh my gosh, these are so great. And yeah, I'm excited. I know we're also having your co-host on in a couple of weeks, so we're going to get, yeah. The whole, the, the whole monster donut, the classic <laughs> side of things. I am excited. Next time we're going to be talking about chapters 23 through 28. So stick around for that. Who knows? Maybe the hunters will show up from what I have been gathering. I don't know. We'll never know until mm -hmm. next week. Um, if you're interested in supporting us, you can find the link to our Patreon in the episode description, as well as the link to send the audio message. And we'll also put all of the links to Monster Donut and to Phoebe's page on there as well, so you can find that easily. Our social media is at CampathPod, and our email is CampathPod at gmail.com if you want to send me a little message. And don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye-bye!